home, big fella. You drunk, big fella. Two sips and now you want a trip, big fella. You not a drinker. I can see it all in your leg, big fella. You wobbly, big fella. You finna fall. Sit down, you drunk, big fella. All right. We're on. Once again, welcoming us to the show today, uh, we have Chance the Rapper featuring Knox doing All Night. Uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, welcome. Today is going to be another basketball-centric show. Uh, we have one of our, our friendly guests on the show today. John Dowling is going to be stopping by. We're going to be breaking down some of the stuff going on in and around the NBA because there's really not much else to talk about. We're kind of in a little, like a lull area, no football free agency starting. College basketball is kind of in a boring spot. Well, let's get a little more interesting. But right now we're at the NBA trade deadline, and that might be kind of what this week looks like on my blog and on the podcasts. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So I hope you're enjoying your uh, your global warming weather, uh, wherever you might be. Right now it's been, well, I guess for the last couple of days it's been 60 degrees in Columbus, Ohio. It's pretty gray out right now. It's been blue and gray. Not much rain to speak of. Kind of foggy yesterday, but hey. Take some positives from global warming, I guess. That's one way to think of it. Since we last talked, um, there was an NBA All-Star game where the final score was a million points to a couple points less than a million. Um, I think this final score was 192-187. Sounds right to me. I don't have it in front of me because I'm, I'm lazy, apparently. But the thing that I really liked from that game... Um, we had a little warm, fuzzy reunion between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Going into it, no one knew how that was going to go. They were going to have to be on the same team again. Obviously, Kevin Durant left Russell Westbrook on the Oklahoma City Thunder. As Durant traveled to go play with the Golden State Warriors, Russell Westbrook has not been too kind in comments towards Durant since. Durant threw a nice little alley-oop to Russell Westbrook. Uh, smiles and warm fuzzies surround Good stuff. So the game's MVP uh, was actually, the game was in New Orleans, and a New Orleans Pelican, Anthony Davis, dropped 55 points in that game, making up about a quarter of the team's points. He does that anyway for the Pelicans, but it was crazy to see it in an all-star game. That being said, there wasn't really any defense to speak of, so 55 points, a little inflated if you ask me. If you ask anyone who spent more than five seconds watching that game, you'd know. So one of the big storylines coming out of All-Star Weekend, also involving New Orleans, is the trade of DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. Um, Only played two minutes in that All-Star game, but we'll get into that with JD. In other trade news, we'll talk a little NFL real fast. Uh, Big trade yesterday. Um, maybe it would have been a bigger trade five, between five and three years ago, three and five years ago. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars sent their tight end, Julius Thomas, most famous for his stint with the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins in exchange for Miami's 2017th seventh round pick. So who knows? Maybe that pick's worth something. A lot of people thought Jacksonville would be cutting Thomas anyway. Um, last year, five touchdowns. 455 yards on 46 receptions. He's had a lot of injuries, especially in his recent career, so we'll see if he can get some sort of resurgence going with the Dolphins. 
His new coach is Adam Gase. Adam Gase, who was, I believe, the quarterback's coach with Denver. I want to say he was the quarterback's coach with Denver. Uh, Thomas thrived in his system in Denver, so we'll see how that goes. I think it uh, could be a, a little resurgence for him. Maybe not a gigantic year like we're used to him with, like in his Denver years, but maybe a solid year. Kind of like a Vernon Davis in Washington kind of year. Maybe a, little, maybe a little bigger. Like I said earlier, there's nothing too crazy going on in college basketball. Um, outside of one little thing, and that's that the number 18 team in the country that was in the top 10 quite frequently throughout the year is number 18 University of Virginia in the Cavaliers losing streak. Don't get that mixed up with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't know that they'll lose four games in a row until after LeBron retires. So... They're going to get in the tournament, but I don't know how far you can put them in the tournament at this point. I mean, they're just not a super crazy good team at this point. Um, you have to worry about it. Tony Bennett, who's their head coach and a fantastic singer. Uh, different Tony Bennett, different times. But now there's a lot of question marks about what the hell's going on with his team, you know? I'd be a little worried if I was uh, a Cavaliers Virginia fan. That's all I have for the intro portion of the show. Um, it's good to be back with you guys. Hope you're having a good week so far. So let's go talk to John Dowling. Let's go see what JD's up to. All right, so coming on to the show once again, at this point, he is a friend of the pod. You know him best as one of the HSJI buddies from Student Section Sports. John Dowling, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be back. Yeah. I just decided to go with the corniest intro possible for today. I'm a little low on material. Um, <laughs> so let's start off by talking about the big news of the weekend, the fact that Omari Caspi is going to New Orleans. No, Boogie Cousins and <laughs> Omari Caspi are going to the New Orleans Pelicans in a package involving Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, and the Sacramento Kings' first and second round picks. And first of all, it's early Monday morning, late Sunday night, depending on how you want to call it. What's your first reaction to this trade? Um, it's a lot to give up. Um, of course, I understand that, I mean, Marcus Cousins is obviously uh, an all star, and he's, you know, top three center, depending on who you talk to, the best center in the league. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's an awful lot to give up for New Orleans. Um, and you're only really, you know, you're only getting Omri Caspi and you lose two wing guys and Buddy Heald and Tyreek Evans. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to look at this trade and say, well, oh, you know, now you've got Anthony Davis and the Marcus Cousins, two of the top, you know, five big men in the league. But now have a whole lot of wing players for this team and that's going to be a problem if you know they try and make a playoff push if you've only got these two bigs i mean the rest of the west is it's all guard play it's all wing play i mean you you know if they uh they're fighting you know for that last seed or you know the eighth seed or depending on what happens maybe the seventh seed whatever but that means you're going to be playing you know if you play the warriors yeah, you might have a matchup advantage there, you know, in terms of their bigs, but you're going to have an issue when, you know, their wings, you really only have Drew Holiday as a guard. 
you don't have a whole lot to work with when you're playing against, you know, Steph Clay, KD, and you've got Drew Holiday, Omri Caspi, you know. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, giving up Buddy Heald and Tyreek Evans is, uh, I, I think that could hurt them in the long run. But um, I think this is going to be a very, very interesting trade to see how this all works out and see if it connects. I mean, if this comes together and they play well together, uh, you know, Cousins and Anthony Davis, of course, uh, they could be a very good team in years to come if Cousins decides to stay with them. Well, let's start with the fact that Cousins has a year and a half left on his deal, obviously the remainder of this season and next season. You mentioned Boogie Cousins would have to decide he wants to re-sign with the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, what do you think there's any way that they could entice another free agent to come join this duo next year? Because I feel like at that point, you know, you're really holding on to something that, you know, it can't just be Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins. So can the Pelicans attract another free agent is basically my question. Well, I think that that's, that's the prayer that uh, the New Orleans front office guys are, are praying right now, you know, that they, they can bring these two guys together and that free agents can maybe see how the rest of the season plays out, see if they, if they, uh, if they click. And if they do, then, you know, you bring somebody in. You try and get, get somebody uh, to work with them. Get a wing guy, you know, because, uh, again, like, you know, like I just mentioned, there are a lot of great wing and guard players in the, in the West, and you can have these two incredible bigs, but if you don't have, you know, guards to get them the ball and to play defense on, you know, other, other wing, you know, the wings of the West, it's going to be tough. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, that, that, I think that's what they wanted to do here. You get Boogie, you bring him in with AD, and you kind of see what happens, see if you can sign a few guys, entice some people, uh, you know, to, to sign. And, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what you would uh, – it'll be interesting to see in the coming years what, what happens with that. So one of the things – or one of the more interesting angles people are taking on this trade is it's a move that brings two members, two marquee members of – great University of Kentucky basketball runs together. You know, you have DeMarcus Cousins, who was part of that team 2011. Anthony Davis was part of that team in 2013. So what do you have to say for anyone out there who's thinking maybe John Wall migrates to New Orleans, maybe John Calipari migrates to New Orleans? Do you think there's any validity to that kind of possibility with this organization? Uh, I, I doubt it. Um, I mean, it would be it would be something unlike we've ever seen in sports. Uh, but but no, I, I don't think you know. I think John Wall's got something good going in Washington right now. Um, and you know, for for both, it's possible that maybe Cousins would want to go there in the future. You know, Washington or go wherever. I mean, nobody's in you know Boogie Cousins' head. Um, <laughs> but Kyle Parry mentioned something that I think is very important. Uh, going forward for DeMarcus Cousins in general, uh, and even, you know, with New Orleans and, you know, in his future, he brought up, uh, I think it was on a podcast with somebody recently, um, he said, you know, in order to get Cousins to be, you know, not a head case, I guess, you know, he's got to respect his coaches. He's got to respect the coaching staff to wherever he goes to. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if he respects this Pelicans coaching staff, if if he respects his players, you know, his, his uh, fellow players and 
if they can get a culture around him like that, that, you know, makes him feel comfortable and makes him feel at home, then, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. And that'll just be, you know, I mean, Kyle Parry knows best. I mean, he, he coached him in college for a couple of, you know, for a year, a couple of years. So, you know, he, he knows him. And I think that that's something that, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if, uh, you know, he respects his coaches. And if he, I mean, if he doesn't, then we'll probably see him move somewhere. We'll see him maybe go to Washington, maybe go to Boston or, you know, go somewhere, you know, that, that he feels comfortable and he feels at home. You know, we, you keep bringing it up and I keep thinking about it. Would you say that the odds are better as it stands today that two years from now in free agency, DeMarcus Cousins re-signs a deal with the Pelicans or signs somewhere else? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a whole lot of hypothetical right now, but because we haven't even seen them play a game together, you know, we haven't seen Cousins and AD play a game together. Uh, but it, it's, it, it'll just ultimately depend on what happens on if, if they click, if they don't click, if it becomes, you know, one of the best one, two punches in the league in the, on the block or disaster where, you know, the, the Pelicans come next year are already trying to move him again. You know, it'll be, uh, it'll be something to see. And I, yeah, um, I don't know. So both of us do think, I hope I'm not speaking for you here, but I, I feel like New Orleans gave up a ton in this trade. So let's go ahead and move on to the Sacramento Kings side of this. And they obviously have now what's probably going to be a mid-round pick from the Pelicans. They have their own pick, which looks to be trending towards a, maybe a top seven pick in the lottery. And the underlying factor in this trade is they have the Philadelphia 76ers selection in the second round, which was traded to them from New Orleans. Do you feel like, you know, for the Kings, this just gives them a really good chance to rebuild? Because I think this is an excellent starting spot for a team that really was going nowhere. Yeah, sure. Sure it is. Uh, you know, and I mean, they got Buddy Hield in this, in this trade. And I mean, obviously he's a rookie and he didn't have a whole lot of a role in, in New Orleans. And now he's going to go to Sacramento where, you know, the only thing Sacramento had was Cousins. And now you're going back to, you know, to make his return to Sacramento. Um, and, you know, now you got Buddy Heald. You got another first-round pick and, you know, another second round. Um, and, and, yeah, this is an excellent an excellent time for them to kind of rebuild and, and move towards – I mean, this, this organization has been a mess for a while now, and they can't really decide whether to – for the past, you know, 10 years, they couldn't decide whether to rebuild or uh, – or, contend or rebuild or contend and they just i mean it's been an absolute disaster and i think now it's finally kind of okay we've had demarcus cousins for a long time now it just hasn't worked out and now let's kind of blow it up we'll get some young talent we'll get some picks and let's just go from there and you know hopefully they'll move towards relevancy and competitiveness and I think they may, they might be able to do it. You know, we'll see. Uh, you know, my Syracuse guy, Malachi Richardson, hasn't done a whole lot for them. And he was there like this year. And, you know, he's in the D League and developing. And 
you know, you got Buddy Heald, and he's going to be developing, of course, but he'll probably be, you know, they, they don't have a lot of, now that they lost to Marcus Cousins, they don't really have a whole lot to work with on offense. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they come together and, you know, what this coaching staff would like to do going forward uh, with the Kings. Well, my thing about this trade is this draft, especially this draft, I should say, is very, very backcourt heavy. And that's something we haven't seen from the Kings really in this generation of players. They obviously had Rondo at one point. Rondo never really worked out with that team. But I feel like for this Kings team, you know, they obviously, they now have Buddy Heald. They have some nice selections in the draft. It's my opinion and it's my probably my only just me thinking this, but I feel like if you get the team with the guards, there's always that big guy in free agency. Don't you feel like the league is moving more towards that trend where you get the guards and then you go sign, you know, I'll, maybe the Celtics sign Al Horford. I feel like that guy is always there in free agency. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, I could see that, um, especially because I mean, a lot of guards play. You know, a lot of guards are getting big contracts nowadays. So, you know, you'll have a lot of teams that are just kind of that'll that'll go for the superstars for superstar guards first. You know, guards and wings, and then they'll kind of move towards the big men. And by that time, you know, you can swoop in and and grab one if that's you know if you get if you already have those all star guards under contract and all, then you know then you can just shoot for those big men right away while everybody else is trying to sign all those superstars. So, yeah, I, I, I think I would tend to agree with you on that. I think that, uh, you know, nowadays we, we are probably seeing more, uh, more availability with, um, you know, being able to get good, you know, good big men. I mean, not even necessarily superstars. If you, you know, if you have that, that star guard or that star wing, then you might not really need a, a huge, terribly great center. You might just need a guy that can get rebounds, maybe block a shot or two, and, you know, finish a dunk every once in a while. I mean, that, that's, you know, um, DeAndre Jordan became a superstar by, by doing that, you know. So, it, surrounded by, you know, Chris Paul. and, and um, So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think um, that definitely is a trend. I could see that. I think that that's pretty accurate. And, yeah, I mean, especially with this draft, you can go out and get your guard for the future, your wing for the future. You know, there's a lot of great guys that are coming out of this. Lonzo Ball, uh, Martel Fultz, um, you know, Jason Tatum, all those guys that are going to be pretty, you know, have the potential to be great stars on the wing. So, yeah, I think that they need to go out and, you know, that we're moving towards that trend. So, actually, I should ask you this first. I don't have it written down anywhere in this script, but the guy I really like in this draft and the guy I think is ultimately going to be the best player in the draft is Malik Monk. Do you have any thoughts about Malik Monk? Because he's been a very polarizing figure in basketball. Yeah, he's a flat-out scorer. And, uh, I mean, I haven't caught a whole lot of Kentucky games this year, but, I mean, I watched... Uh, I mean, even when even when he wasn't shooting well, uh, I watched the Louisville game. I think he he didn't. I don't if I recall correctly. I don't think he played that well in that game. He didn't. It was like a, you know, I think it was a game or two after he had that huge fifty point or forty something point outburst. And I mean, even then he was still a threat. You know, every time he he forced a good Louisville team to have to, you know, to strategize around him because he's just that good of a scorer. And I think he's somebody that, you know, in the in that top five area 
I mean, shoot, even, you know, we were just talking about the Kings for a good, you know, 10 minutes. They could use somebody like him. You know, they could use a guard that can, that can score the basketball uh, because they haven't had that in a while. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, they, they just got Tyreek Evans back. I mean, you know, how many years ago when Tyreek Evans was a rookie and, you know, he was a rookie of the year, he was really great at that, but he kind of deteriorated. And, you know, they, they haven't had somebody like that in a while. Uh, I mean, other than, you know, Rudy Gay, but they signed him, you know, so they do need somebody like that. That could, that could easily be a pick. And yeah, I think Malik Brooks is probably one of the better players coming out of this, this draft. Yeah. Just a thought. I'm glad you, you back up my point. Anyway, let's move on to what this does for the number eight seed in the West. I laugh because I just feel like whoever gets that spot gets a nice sweep from Golden State currently belongs to the Denver Nuggets. Now there's a log jam of teams competing for that spot. Obviously, we have Denver, who's ahead of the pack right now. But then there's Sacramento, who's a game and a half behind. We can kind of scratch them out at this point. Portland's two games back. New Orleans, or excuse me, New Orleans two and a half. Dallas three games. And Minnesota three and a half games. So first of all, who is going to end up getting this spot in your mind? I like Portland just because I like when Portland's in the playoffs, but who do you like? Well, I think out of... I would agree with, uh, I think Sacramento's going to bottom out. Um, they won't because of this trade, obviously, so they won't be there. Um, I'm not sold on Portland. I, I'm not totally sold on them. Uh, I think they've been a little inconsistent, and um, I think maybe next year they could. Um, and, and they could still be, I think this is a team, I'm going to say right now, that the, the, the Trailblazers could still be active in the trade market. They traded uh, Mason Plumley, of course, uh, but they, with that trade, they got three. They now have three first-round picks in twenty in this uh, upcoming draft, which is pretty huge, uh, and that could definitely attract a lot of teams, you know, to be able to to try and get some assets or get another guy, uh, or even get a bench guy or you know, something along those lines. Um, or they could just end up, you know, waiting until draft night and getting some trades that way. Um, but yeah, uh, Portland, I'm not sold on them being able to make it. Um, could definitely make it depending on you know how this trade how this cousins Anthony Davis deal works out. Dallas, I could see making it as well, um, just because I Rick Carlisle is one of the most underrated coaches in, in the NBA. He's one of the best, and I think that he's done a pretty magnificent job with that team, considering they don't really have a terrible load of assets. I mean, they've got an aging Nowitzki, and he somehow managed to make Steph Curry's brother Seth. Uh, you know, a, a, a solid role player. Um, so that's, you know, I, I think Dallas can make it. New Orleans can make it. Um, I love Minnesota. They're one of my favorite teams uh, in the NBA just because of their youth. And I love Carl Anthony Towns, but I don't think that they'll make it. I think they're too young. Um, and they started off the year pretty terrible, um, just, you know, not consistent also. And losing Levine for the season is going to hurt. Um, but I, I think maybe, you know, they might be able to make it just because of how Andrew Wiggins has been playing and how he's been progressing because he's been an absolute beast. And, you know, if he, if he can ride it out, maybe then they might have a chance, but I'm thinking as of right now with those teams that are there, if Denver doesn't keep it, I would say either New Orleans or Dallas would probably be my picks to get that eight seed. You know, you mentioned Dallas, and I, before 
the show started, I wasn't thinking too highly of Dallas. Then they got a guy who I think is kind of an impact player, and he might be familiar to our hearts because, you know, Indiana connection. They picked up Yogi Ferrell, and it's done nothing but good for them so far. He's averaging 9.8 points per game, 3.2 assists. That's basically the most significant thing he's done, maybe. He's shooting 42% from the field. I just feel like he's got that Jeremy Lin kind of factor, or maybe we weren't... He just seems very, you know, could explode onto the scene all of a sudden. I don't know if you caught it, but a couple weeks ago, he had like a 24-point game, and I just saw a lot from Yogi Ferrell on that one. Don't you feel like that gives Dallas some sort of edge, that guy that could push them into the playoffs, maybe not take them anywhere, but get them there at least? Yeah, sure. He, yeah, he's, he, he was, uh, yeah, I saw, I saw a couple things where I think his first couple games, he had like 30 something points, 20 something points on his first few. Yeah. I mean, they have some depth. I mean, they've got Seth Curry, they've got, you know, Yogi, they've got, um, and I mean, Harrison Barnes has been playing well, you know, Dirk is Dirk. They could, they could certainly, they could certainly make that, make that playoff spot. Um, and I think, yeah, they have some good depth, uh, or at least spot. Um, it's just, I don't know how far, I don't think this team can make it very far. I think maybe they, I mean, it would, it would depend on the matchup. Uh, I mean, if they play the Warriors, it's going to be probably a slaughter. And, you know, San Antonio, if they play San Antonio, maybe just because of, you know, the rivalry aspect of that, that, that these teams have been huge rivals since, you know, the Duncan and Nowitzki matchups, uh, that maybe you could get one of those, you know, upset type of, you know, uh, series. But I don't think other than that, that Dallas will make it terribly far. Uh, but I think that because of, because of Yogi Ferrell and, you know, Seth Curry and those guys, they might be able to at least, at the very least, maybe grab that eight seed in the playoffs this season. Um, well, I guess my next question then, because we're talking about these teams that are kind of in the middle, and if you look at the top seven in the West, you know, it's really a gap between those that little log jam we have for that eight spot, and then you have at seven, Oklahoma City, six, Memphis on up. What is the real value in getting this playoff spot if you're one of those rebuild transition mode kind of teams, wouldn't you rather have better position in the draft? Well, yeah, yeah, I think you certainly would. And I think that that's what, I mean, obviously that's with the Kings, you know, they're only one and a half games back. They should bottom out um, at this point just to, to get that, you know, get a better pick. And I mean, they have no business in making the playoffs uh, or it wouldn't really help them as a franchise at this point point in there uh, in time um yeah I, I i mean with portland you've got those three first rounders so you can maybe try and get another guy or or move or uh or you know pick maybe two two guys in this draft and see if one of them pans out or one or two of them and they could become a, a super team all of a sudden you know so with a draft like this it's just it becomes difficult it's a lot of difficult decisions for executives to make, you know, whether or not you're kind of saying, okay, let's maybe make a move or two, kind of blow the team up and go on. Or if you're saying, let's make that push, um, you know, 
Yeah, I, I mean, uh, a lot of these teams are kind of in that in between, in between mode right now. You know, Dallas is kind of they're they're still waiting for Dirk to maybe kind of, you know, move on so they can kind of just rebuild and start, you know, moving on from him. You know, New Orleans now is just trying to kind of go all in, and uh, with you know with Portland, I don't think they have any idea what's going on. They've got you know one of the best guards in the league in Damian Lillard, but they're, you know, the 10 games under 500. And, yeah, I don't know. I think for some of these teams, it makes sense. I think for Sacramento, it definitely makes sense to kind of bottom out. Uh, For Dallas, it might make sense to bottom out, but I don't know if they will. And Denver, Denver's a tough one. Denver's a tough one. They, They do have some good talent, but I don't know if, I mean, you kind of now you got to start. I think they need to start kind of surrounding Jokic with pieces um, because I think I think the Joker has shown that he's a pretty pretty darn good good uh, big man. And if they can surround him with some pieces, maybe they could move up in the West. Uh, but you know that's going to be that'll probably take time. They might need to kind of blow it up. So. I don't know. I think Denver, it makes sense to try and make the playoffs. I think Portland, it makes sense. And New Orleans are the three teams that it probably makes sense to try and make that playoff push. Uh, Sacramento and Dallas, realistically, it probably doesn't. You know, just kind of, you know, not make it, get that top 15 pick, and uh, and go from there. All right, well, let's move on to a more a team with a little more promising playoff position in the East. Uh, this is another team that made a big trade. Uh, this one came last Thursday. Um, a little less lopsided deal from my point of view. Uh, obviously, I feel like that New Orleans Sacramento King or Sacramento Kings trade. A lot of people had a lot of different opinions, but this Serge Ibaka to Toronto deal it just ended up making a lot of sense for both clubs. And my biggest takeaway is that it makes the Raptors a lot more competitive. Toronto's currently sitting at fourth in the East. They're seven games behind Cleveland, but they're getting healthy and getting more talent. How much more contention is in this East now that Toronto is, you know, one of these top-tier teams, really? Well, I've liked Toronto all season. I think that they, I I still think, really, that they're the only team uh, right now in the East that could challenge Cleveland. Uh, Boston, Boston's good. Uh, maybe they could as well. I think it's probably Boston and Toronto are probably the only two teams, and maybe Milwaukee just because they present matchup problems. But now that they lost Jabari Parker for the season, it might be a little tougher for them uh, to challenge Cleveland. But I, yeah, I think with Toronto now adding Serge, you kind of get some help on the defensive end. Of course, uh, Jonas Valanciunas is known more for his offense than he is, you know, as a defender. So you kind of get. Serge Ibaka to to kind of help out in that uh, in that in that defense. I mean, they they're 24th in the league in rebounds per game at 42.6. You know that I I think Serge could definitely help them out with that. You know, um, so yeah, I, I think that this team, this trade definitely makes them a lot more competitive, makes them a lot more threatening to a Cleveland team. Now you got two big men that are you know, that could create problems uh, for you. And then you've also got, you know, two guards who are 
you know, one of the best backcourts in the league, if not maybe the best of the season in uh, Larry and DeRozan. So, I, yeah, I think this definitely this trade definitely makes them more competitive. It definitely uh, helps them to challenge Cleveland. Uh, it makes them a lot more threatening than they were before. And I'm very curious to see how this, the rest of the season plays out. I, honestly, I can't wait for playoffs, man. This is going to be – it's going to be a very fun, very fun playoffs, I think. It'll be a lot – I think it'll be a lot harder for Cleveland to repeat than maybe people think it'll be. Well, now let's talk about that matchup with Cleveland for a second because I think one of the most interesting angles on this trade is I don't know how Cleveland matches up on the inside with Giannis Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka. You know, you're going to have an injured Kevin Love going into the playoffs. You're going to have a 50-50, you know, kind of Tristan Thompson, depending on who Tristan Thompson is night in and night out. So they don't really have much bench talent. You know, that Cavaliers fans are going to swarm me for that, but I don't like the Cavs bench that much. Don't you just feel like on the inside the Cavaliers are going to have, A, a hard time rebounding, and B, a hard time stopping the inside scoring from the Raptors? Well, I think more than anything, it'll be, um, you know, a hard time stopping all of, all of the the versatility that Toronto can bring. I mean, Serge can, you know, Serge Ibaka can, can score on the inside, but he can also shoot the three. And you've got, you know, Valanciunas, who's great in the post. Um, and then obviously, you know, DeMarco Rosen's been one of the best scorers in the league this year. And, you know, and then Kyle Lowry. So... I think I don't think Cleveland will necessarily have a problem rebounding just because Tristan Thompson is uh, just a beast at that. You know, that's that's what that's his bread and butter. That's what he does. You know, he fights for rebounds. He's just uh, uh, vicious in that in that category. And I don't know if they'll have a problem with that, but I think interior scoring could become an issue because you know you're not going to have uh, Kevin Love, and you're not going to you know you you can't play Tristan Thompson the whole game. You know, he's going to have to sit eventually. And it's, I think Cleveland could fall victim to just being tired and, you know, just being, um, just being kind of exhausted from having to play. The, I mean, I don't think Channing Fry is going to be, you know, even though he's 6'11, he's terribly great. He's out there for offense. He's not out there to, to play defense. And, you know, they only have one true center on the roster, Tristan Thompson. Uh, Eric Williams isn't going to give you off that, or give you defense on the end post. So I think that they could struggle with being scored on in the interior. Um, I don't, I'm not totally sure. I think rebounding, they might be okay. Uh, they won't obviously losing Kevin Love or, you know, having the hobbled Kevin Love probably will hurt the rebounding department a little bit, but I think that Tristan Thompson can pick up the slack in that aspect. Um, but yeah, I think if I were Cleveland, I'd be a little worried. I'd be a little bit worried about the matchup problems that, that, uh, Toronto can create for you. Well, now let's go ahead and move back West because we spent most of the time out West anyway. So why not move back? I want to talk about the other team sitting at number four. That team is the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, they're hanging on for dear life right now without Chris Paul. If the Clippers can survive this injury with some, you know, they get that four seed, they have home court advantage. Austin Rivers having a very, you know, solid season compared to what Austin Rivers has had in the past. I feel like they could have, you know, they've had issues with the Warriors in the past, but I feel like they could maybe make some noise in the West. Don't you, 
do you feel that at all, or do you feel like this is another year for the Clippers where they can only hurt their fans' hearts? Well, I used to, you know, I used to to sell into the, buy into the Clippers, you know, and and say that you know they're one of the best teams and they're always a threat and this and that. But I, until this past season, because obviously um, they went to the Super Bowl, I always felt like Atlanta or like the Falcons, I always compared the Clippers to the Falcons in, in the NFL in the sense that the, the Falcons just can never, you know, they were always kind of put up there as a team like, oh, well, they can maybe make a push and, you know, get to the title. They can maybe, you know, make a playoff run or, you know, just give them a chance and they would make the playoffs and then they would lose in the first game or they would lose in the divisional. They wouldn't make it to the NFC title or maybe they would and they would lose. They were just one of those teams that could just never figure it out for whatever reason up until this season, of course. But, and that's how I feel about the Clippers. They're the same type of, it's the same feeling, you know, that they're always up there. They're always up in the top, you know, upper echelon of, of uh, teams in the West and in the NBA, but they just, it just never comes together. And I, I just feel like that could end up, you know, I, I don't trust this team yet. I, I don't trust, you know, it, it, it'll depend on, you know, they could still make moves. Um, they could still move like Griffin potentially. Um, and, you know, depending on when Chris Paul comes back, we'll see, um, you know, how they play with him. And, I, I again, I, I don't think with the teams that are up at the top of the West, I don't see the Clippers making it out. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, San Antonio and Golden State are the top of the top of this of this conference, and I don't see the Clippers being able to beat them in either team in a seven-game series. Well, let me put – you sound pretty unconfident in that, and I would be on the same boat, but I'm kind of in a different camp right now, and that camp comes from this little little noise we heard – couple weeks ago now obviously there's been a lot of static before we heard this noise but what we've been hearing is that without trading any of their big three you know chris paul deandre jordan blake griffin those are the big three if they go and get carmelo anthony from the new york knicks you know they had to throw in austin rivers throw in some picks how much of a difference does that make heading into the playoffs well that would be an interesting trade in that where what where is Carmelo going to play? Because if they move him back to the three, he's been playing the four for a couple of years now. So you could possibly move him back to the three, but the question is, could he play defense against against any of the threes in you know that he would have to play? He's going to have to play Kawhi Leonard. He's going to have he would have to defend Kevin Durant. You know. Um, I mean, other, maybe other than that, there aren't a whole lot of threatening threes. But those are, I mean, but that would be, if they, if they were going to make it to the finals, they're probably going to have to go through either San Antonio or Golden State. And Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard are, you know, two of the top 10 players in the league. So I don't know, I'm not convinced at all that Carmelo Anthony could defend either of them. And he would have probably, you know, if you're saying that they're not going to give up their big three to, and still get Carmelo, they would have, you know, Blake Griffin's not going to move to the three. So it would obviously, you know, Carmelo would play that spot. And I don't think they're going to, they're not going to take Carmelo off the bench. I mean, that would be just absurd. So that's how it would work. And I'm not sure defensively that 
you know, it would it would have to they would have to make up for it on offense. You know, Mello would have to certainly make up for it on offense, and they would have to just be a huge scoring team in order to to really make it. Because I'm not sold that their defense would be good enough still to beat those teams because Carmelo is a a negative on the offense or on the defensive end. And you know, three or four years ago, if someone told me that there was going to be a team with Chris Paul. J.J. Redick, Carmelo Anthony, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan. I would have said, give that team their ring now. But yeah, I feel like what the de-evolution of Carmelo Anthony really hurts the value. I mean, his contract is so inflated, it just doesn't help their cause right now. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I mean, J.J. I, I, uh, Redick's been one of my favorite players for a long time, and I forgot about him too. I mean, he's he's doesn't really, you know, he's getting older and he can't play that good a defense either, you know. So, I mean, you you'd have to hide these guys somehow, and I don't know how you would do it with the guys that you have. I don't. Do the Clippers have a defensive stop? Maybe they would have to go out and get a defensive stopper along with, you know, getting Melo. You know, maybe try and get a guy that I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing names, I guess, that off the top of my head. But you know, maybe get like Tony Allen. You know, try and get him or something, or get. Um, you know, shoot, who who else is a good defensive stopper? You know, you just get somebody that can, you know, play some defense and maybe isn't out there for the offense. Um, I mean, because obviously DeAndre Jordan is is a great rim protector and can kind of shade some or you know mask some defensive uh, deficiencies, but he's not going to be able to do it. You know, every possession, he's not going to be able to do it the whole game. So you're going to need somebody probably, you know, they might need to go get somebody else if they're going to get Mello, you know, to be able to mask some of the deficiencies that he, that he may have um, on the defensive end. So we've talked a lot about some of the spots in the Western Conference. Uh, before we finish up today, let's go ahead and talk about, I want to mainly focus on two of these teams in the East, and these are teams that I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about and trying to get an understanding of. But I want to finish up today by talking about some of the aspects surrounding the Atlanta Hawks and the Washington Wizards. First of all, these teams are on a very different trajectory right now. We'll start with Washington, who I think they look like just, they're a completely different team from the beginning of the month. You know, Brad Bill is playing the best basketball we've seen him play. I just feel like they make a lot of sense in the East right now. I mean, if you're an East contender, don't they scare you? I think they definitely do in a, in, in some ways, um, just because of that backcourt, um, you know, and, and the things that John Wall can do, and plus the you know excellent play of Brad Beal. Then I think that they might scare you a little bit, um, but I don't know overall maybe if they're going to scare you. You know, I don't know if in, the, in a seven game series they're going to scare you because I think eventually you know teams make adjustments. And if you've only really got these two guys that are shouldering probably most of your offense, um, you know, and of course they've had Otto Porter too, who's played well uh, also. But I think if these two guys are going to be doing most in the playoffs, you're eventually going to get, you know, coaches are going to make adjustments and they're going to be able to kind of, you know, curtail these guys. And if these guys are kind of stopped, who else do you have? You know, who who's going to be able to kind of bring them up? But yeah, they certainly have played better, and I think that they're they'll definitely I think they'll roll into the playoffs, you know, on a hot streak, and they might be able to 
you know, make some noise in the first round, maybe even into the second. Um, I definitely, I don't think they'll make it to the finals, but I think that they could certainly be a team that makes some noise and maybe provides an upset or two. Well, we spent most of this show talking about trades, and actually a little while back before the Wizards kind of got on their roll, we talked about the fact that the Wizards just have an atrocious bench. But one of the trades that keeps getting a lot of airtime, and at this point, I'm starting to think it's probably going to happen before the deadline. You know, a lot of people keep floating Lou Williams to Washington. I feel like that trade alone could solidify them as one of the toughest teams in the East. Yeah, yeah, I think that that would be a huge move for them. Because, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, on our on our earlier pod, we, we talked about Washington and their bench, and I honestly could not name – I had to pull up the, pay, the roster page. I couldn't name a guy off their bench. And I think – and Lou Williams is, you know, really a six-man-of-the-year candidate or, you know, potentially winner. I wrote in my article a couple months ago – or not a couple – maybe a month ago uh, that I thought Lou Williams is, should win six-man-of-the-year. He's averaging like 18 points a game off the bench. The Lakers – and the Lakers have no reason to keep him. There's no – you know, they're not, that team's not going anywhere. You might as well dump them, get maybe a second round pick or get, you know, get a guy or two, get something like that, you know, get, get some assets because they're not going anywhere. And if they, if Lou Williams was added to the, to the Wizards, they could, that, that would be big for them because yeah, they're, you know, when, I don't know if that's still accurate, but when you mentioned, I think you mentioned when we were on the pod last time, they were dead last in bench scoring. Um, or something along, they were like one of the least efficient benches in the league. So if you add a guy like Lou Williams, that'll certainly help, you know, when Brad Beal gets tired, you put that guy in and there you go. You got some, you got a guy that could maybe go off for, you know, 25 points on any given night, just out of nowhere, you know, um, and it would at least be something, you know, for a bench that is just, I have no, still don't know who is on the Wizards bench just because, you know, they really don't have any, any type of bench presence. So they're obviously, we just talked about it. They're on the rise. And with that Lou Williams trade, they're going even higher. Hopefully that happens for them. I think it'd be fun. Let's talk about a team at a different point. Sitting at fifth in the East right now are the Atlanta Hawks. You know, they traded away Kyle Korver, who is one of the, he's just an explosive scorer. But another guy they're talking about sending somewhere else is Paul Millsap. You know, if you trade Paul Millsap, what's the value in the season at that point? Yeah, uh, that, that'll that depend on what they get back for him. I mean, that would be, I don't know who they would look for uh, in exchange. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they what they're looking for. I mean, they've got you know they're trying to have Dennis Schroeder kind of be their point guard for the future and you know for for the present. And uh, Ken Bazemore is a, a solid starter. You know, Dwight Howard's had a little bit of a, a career re- revival in his home state of Atlanta, and or you know hometown of Atlanta and. Um, I mean, maybe you go for a small forward, you know, Catavo Cephalosius probably not doing much for you. Um, and, you know, Mike Dunleavy doesn't have a role on this team. So, and I mean, this team does have, the, the Hawks have five first-round picks in the next three years. So they do have some assets that they can work with to maybe get a, a bigger guy, uh, you know, a bigger name. And, I mean, they've got guys that they could potentially deal 
um, you know, with Millsap or Tim Hardaway Jr. has been pretty good for them. So, I mean, this season, I don't know. I think maybe maybe you might want to give away Millsap, maybe kind of move him, get somebody, or get assets, try and maybe get some picks in this draft, uh, get a few more picks in this draft, try and just get some young guys and go from there. I, I, because I don't think that this team is very threatening to anybody in the playoffs. I, you know, they started off the season well, but I'm not sold that they would be able to really be much of a threat to anybody uh, when, it, when it's all said and done when it comes to, to playoff time. Well, you can find John on Twitter at John underscore Dowling. That's the new one, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, John underscore Dowling underscore. Yeah, don't forget the double underscores. I would forget the double underscores, but you shouldn't, smart people. <laughs> he, he writes for studentsectionsports.com. John, thank you so much for stopping by. Of course, anytime. Love it. All right, well, I'll catch you next time, man. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting in the evening Well, guys, that was John Dowling. And again, he's a great guest. I love having him on. So coming up this week, outside of, you know, the NBA trade deadline, uh, I'm thinking maybe a Thursday emergency NBA trade deadline podcast. Maybe I'll say it right next time. Deadline. So tonight, 7 p.m. on ESPN. It is Tuesday night, by the way, February 21st. Check out um, a sneaky good little South Carolina team playing number 13, Florida. In Florida, obviously. A little SEC hoops action for your Tuesday night. Wednesday night, you have a 9 p.m. on ESPN. You have number 7, Louisville, at number 8, North Carolina. And just watch North Carolina, because I actually think they're really, really, really good this year. I'm probably going to have them going pretty far in my, my bracket. Um, right around the corner, guys, we have spring training. Wednesday, baseball kind of starts. A college squad, I think they're Grand Canyon College, maybe. They're going to be playing the Arizona Diamondbacks. You're not a crazy matchup. But summer's right around the corner, guys. Get excited. I've been posting columns like crazy over the last week. Make sure to check those out. There's some stuff about Boogie. There's some stuff about Steph Curry. I'm hoping on having a baseball one come out. Obviously, check those out on WillieLutz.com. That's the On Willie's Mind blog. Check me out on Twitter, at Willie underscore Lutz. And you guys are good to email the show at, I think it's onwillysmind at gmail.com. That sounds right. Otis Redding, top, top of the charts in the UK. The first time in his music career with this song. I think it's maybe 43 years ago. Anyway, it's always nice to hear Otis and always nice to hear from John Dowling. Thanks for John coming on. Thank you guys so much for listening.